Welcome to the 50 States Finish Line podcast, where we talk about running, road races, and all the ways running enriches our lives. I'm Pam, and I've completed half marathons in 30 states and five marathons. Thank you for tuning in. For today's episode, I am joined by a guest whose voice may be familiar to many runners as he calls road races throughout the region. According to a 2019 Portland Press article about my guest, he has announced more than a thousand races, including the New Bedford Half Marathon, Mount Washington's Road Race, and what he calls the Super Bowl of Races, the Boston Marathon. He also writes running running articles for regional newspapers and provides timing services for lots of local events. So welcome, Andy Shackett. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself as a runner? Yes, thank you. It's a, a lot of fun to be here. Pleasure to be here. So um, I was always an athlete as a kid, but uh, my uh, sport of choice was basketball. Junior high, high school, I'm proud to say I was leading scorer on my high school basketball team and so forth. So in the mid-30s, I was playing basketball in a league with a guy who was an avid runner, uh, and I was living in the Dover area, and we were part of the Dover League, and he said there's this road race in Dover that you should run. It was the Red Shoe Barn Road Race. Oh, and in okay. 1991, I got talked into running my very first road race. And of course, as is most is the case with most people running their very first road race, halfway through I said, this is too hard, I'll never do this again. <laughs> so I crossed the finish line. It took me maybe a few hours to say, okay, when's the next one? And when's the next one and the next one? So that was 1991. That uh, and I became an avid runner. I was an avid and pretty serious runner for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. But what was also interesting is at that time I was spending a lot of time in Boston on the weekends. So I would go to Boston. I'd find a road race down there. And what I found is down there at some of the bigger road races, they had a road. They would have road race announcers, mm -hmm. and I would look at them. And I've got a sports casting background, and I'd say, you know, I could do that. I could do that up here in New Hampshire. So 1996, the Market Square Day 10K, which by far at that time was the largest roast race in New Hampshire, clearly in the Seacoast. It was like, I called it the unofficial Seacoast Championship. Yes. Everybody ran the Market Square Day 10K. But in 1996, I was out of shape and I didn't want to run it if I wasn't going to run it well. So I called up the, the race director, Kent LePage. Oh, and yes, I, I remember said, Kent. Of course, everybody who, who's he anybody like, <laughs> remembers that Kent, longtime race director of the Market Square Day 10K. Yes. And I said, listen, Kent, I've got this idea that's out of the box. You know anybody with a sound system that can bring it to the finish line, and I'm going to announce the names of the finishers as they come, and you give me some history, I'll announce some, some history uh, to, to the spectators are waiting. He said, that's a great idea. Yeah. So sure enough, somebody showed up with a sound system, and I kind of struggled my way through uh, announcing some of the names and then giving some of the history. Very first road race that I announced, I left thinking, that was a blast. Really? Yeah. That was a blast. I got to see where this goes, and it just slowly, slowly, because this is that's 26 years ago. Yeah. It just built. So I did that here. Somebody heard about it, said, can you come to my race? And the next person said, can you my, my race? So, you know, a handful of races the first few years, you know, within five years, there's 10, 15 races. Within 10, 15 years, there's 30, 40 races. Till finally at its peak, I was, I've been announcing uh, before the pandemic, yeah. 80, 85 races a year. That's incredible. That's incredible. If you take us back, though, to that Market Square Day 
you know, that first race in 1996 and doing announcing today, what, what has changed? What has changed around your role as announcing re- race results? There's a, been a very interesting shift uh, in the road race scene. When people run, there's, I, I say they fall into one of two categories. They're either competitors or they're participants. Mm-hmm. The competitors are, and they're not necessarily the fastest runners at the front of the pack. It's that even the people in the mid pack see themselves as a very serious competitor. They're competing in their age group. They're competing against the clock, whatever. And so back in the early mid nineties and throughout the nineties, there were many more competitors than participants. Participants are, I'm just gonna show up because it's a fun day to run the market square day, 10K or whatever. How I do is okay. I mean, I'm sure I'd love to run faster, but if I don't, I'm not putting in the serious work. There's been a tremendous shift, Hmm. especially the last 10, 15 years, where it is more about participation and less about competition. Mm -hmm. And it's more about this is a fun event, this is a lifestyle, this is a healthy event, there's usually a nice party after the race. Right, right. You know, and so it's more, it's, it's been kind of a shift. So I don't, back when it was more about competitors, I took the job very seriously. I wanted to know who the fastest runners were, Mm -hmm. how they were going to do. I wanted to know what the course record was. Keep my eye on the clock. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a course record, whatever. Now it's more about making everybody feel special when they approach that finish line. And I've got four or five seconds to say, you know, here comes the rock star Pam Appleton as she approaches the finish line type of thing regardless if you're the front of the pack, the middle of the pack, and the back of the pack. Well, obviously you do that announcing really well because your race services are highly desirable. So you obviously have um, made every competitor and participant feel very special at the finish line. So that is, that's remarkable that you are able to do that. You know, um, I guess I would say 26 years of doing this work, you probably have seen some pretty memorable things. So can you tell us a little bit about some memorable either finishes or events that have happened at the finish line? Well, for me personally, uh, the most memorable moment was the first year I got hired to, to be at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Mm. What year was that? And that was 2015. Oh, okay. And I can, it's so special that I can tell you it was Isabella Rosales of New York City was the first name that I ever called out at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And so here we are seven years later, and I, yeah. I still remember her name. In fact, I met up with her. She somehow, I had written about it, she somehow came across it in some kind of Google search or whatever, and we actually met like three years later, and I got a picture of her. Oh, very cool. Uh, so that now that's for me, mm-hmm. personally. But I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to be the finish line announcer at some of the greatest moments in New Hampshire road race history. So what you have to understand about whether it's a sportscaster on TV, radio, finish line announcer, for us, I I say it's about the call. We remember Al Michaels saying, do you believe in miracles Mm -hmm. when the U.S. hockey team won the goal, beat the Russians in the Soviet Union in 1980? Because he got to make the call. So a couple of, some of the great moments for me were the largest road race for many years in the state of New Hampshire was the Cigna Elliott 5K in Manchester on a Thursday night in August. And they also would bring up some of the fastest runners in the region would come to that race. Mm-hmm. Typically in New Hampshire, 
a fast 5K finisher will be 15 minutes, 30 seconds to 60 minutes. These guys are running low 14 minutes. Oh, my goodness. And I said, one of these years, it's going to be the first time a runner is going to break 14 minutes, which is, you yes, know, it's, yes. it's unthinkable. Right. It's ridiculous, <laughs> especially in the state of New Hampshire. No, yeah. Yeah, what are you kidding me? So one of these years they're going to be there and I'm going to be at the finish line. And sure enough, and again, I remember the name it was 2003, Joseph Mway, former Kenyan living in New York, came across the finish line in 13 minutes That's and 56 seconds. Were you prepared? I was prepared because <laughs> they've been approaching it for like three or four years. Mm -hmm. And some years it was a little too hot, they wouldn't make it. And I remember standing at the start line with Jamie Staten of WMUR News oh, 9 yes. because they were gonna, about to go live. And I said, Jamie, if we don't see it tonight, we're never going to see it. And sure enough, so he comes up. There's a bit of a hill before the finish line. If you know Manchester, it finishes mm -hmm. coming across Merrimack, running up Merrimack Street from Canal Street, which is up a hill. Then you can see them. They cross Elm Street into the finish. And I look at the clock. And some somebody said they heard me screaming <laughs> because it was the first time somebody had broken 14 That got minutes. all the spectators' attention, yes. I bet. I'd say the uh, couple of other uh, special moments was um, at the uh, Delta Dental Mount Washington Road Race, which mm -hmm. is our most prestigious race. Yes. Runners from all over the world. It's been national championship race, et cetera. Had two very special moments. Back in 1962... A runner in his 40s won the race. And as if you know anything about running Lego, that means a master mm -hmm. runner had run. And his master's record stood for decades. Mm. And finally, in the early 2000s, Craig Fram of Plasto, one of New Hampshire's all-time great runners, broke that master's record. You should have heard me screaming. But I also, ha I also have to say, and anybody who's run the Delta Dental Mount Washington Road Race in the past five, six, seven years is going to know what I'm talking about. There's a man living in State College, Pennsylvania, by the name of George Etzweiler. Mm -hmm. He's now 102 years old. He was running that race throughout his 90s. That's incredible. He actually made a pledge to us that he'd do it when he turned 100. And by cruel fate, it, the race was canceled because of oh, COVID-19. Yeah. And now he's just, he's not up to it anymore. I go back to when he was 90 years old and he finished the race. And I'm at the awards ceremony a little time later. And they say, uh, you need to now announce that George won his age group. Of course, he's the first person 90 years old. I was so overcome with emotion mm. that I actually bent over because I was just verklempt, as, you, as the as expression is. And the race director goes, are you okay? And I looked at him and I said, I don't believe what I'm about to do. Mm -hmm. I'm about to introduce a 90-year-old man who has finished the Mount Washington road race. This most grueling 7.6 mile, ridiculously difficult, are you kidding me? I'm never gonna make it. I promise I'll never do this again in my lifetime. And, he, and, and so that probably to me sticks out. And I can remember bending over because I was right. just so overcome with emotion. And how was I gonna keep it together when I introduced a 90 year old man finishing and I'll never forget the race director saying, are you okay? Right. And right, looking at him said, right, I just can't believe right. what I'm about to do. And I imagine that runner was incredibly humble. So often individuals who do extraordinary things are so humble and 
um, are so unassuming in their feats, in their feats. That's really remarkable. And the Mount Washington is back on again, right? It's coming yes, up in August. It's coming up. No, it's actually coming up uh, when we're doing this, this weekend. Oh, okay. This weekend. This weekend. Yes. This weekend. All right. We're going to have to keep an eye out for who's running. Hopefully they'll have good race conditions for that. That is, every year I look up at the sky and I say, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. You don't owe me anything. I'm just asking for a few hours if you could just give us some nice weather at Mount Washington. And we've been on a long stretch. Last year it was held in two days to mm -hmm. cut down the field each day. It wasn't great, but it could have been worse. As we sit here a few days beforehand, according to weather.com, it may be snowing at the finish line. Uh-oh. <laughs> so... And, and, a and they don't say, close it. They don't close no, the top. Just they will if it's dangerous. Okay. The the key to that is can the cars get up there and down? One year, many years ago, it was a heavy rain and it was a freezing rain and the roads were frozen. Mm. And they said you it's dangerous. Cars will slide off the mountain. And they you know they weren't kidding. They, right. You know. And so they they had to hold the race to the halfway point. And so that would be the only thing that would hold them back is if they real because the, the people have to drive to the top to bring the runners down. So I you've gotcha. got dozens of cars up there. And if it's not safe, they would have to go halfway. I don't know how bad it's going to be. If the roads are okay and it's just a little flurries or something, mm -hmm. uh, then they'll be fine. But we'll be standing on New Hampshire soil on June 18th in the middle of, a, of snow. <laughs> so and, It's you know, New England. We're right, used to that, right? right? And, and a friend of mine said, well, what are you going to do? So it's nothing I can do. I'm just going to stand in, a, in the middle of a snowstorm if I have to. It's Mount right. Washington. You, that's going to be, you're probably going to have the hardest job that day, standing in the snow for all those hours, right, watching right. people come across. Right. Pack your, hopefully you haven't uh, put your uh, puffer coat away. Every year, one of the things that I pack everything i can possibly pack because as soon as the race starts they drive me up to the start i have one dedicated bag hats gloves winter coat winter sweater yeah extra layer of pants i realize it's the third saturday of june <laughs> but i'm about to take a trip to the highest elevation point in new hampshire where the weather is so can be so ridiculous I'm not taking any chances. Yeah, I don't blame so you. So I am, I am prepared. <laughs> well, now we're all going to have to be paying attention to that race. So it's this coming Saturday. Right, this Saturday, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think we're going to take a short break. You've been listening to the 50 States Finish Line podcast. We'll be right back. One, two. back to the 50 states finish line podcast andy what keeps you running just the fact there's three things i love about running one of them i'll say for last is is kind of a tongue-in-cheek but how you know that have many truth to said just the first is it's healthy when you're when you're running on a regular basis and i'm not running anywhere near what like i used mm -hmm. to but you know just at this point at my age 
and given whatever some of my medical history, if I can go out four or five times a week and run for 30 minutes, I'm very happy. Why? Because anytime you hear on the radio, you know, 70% of Americans are out of shape and whatever, and you're running or X, even if you're doing any exercise on a regular basis, you know that doesn't apply to you, that you've developed a fitness level. Mm -hmm. The second thing I love is the sense of accomplishment. What people, you know, you, you hear people say, you know, it's running is fun. Well, it's not. The, the world is fun. The community is fun. After you're done and hanging out is fun. But it's a hard sport. Mm. And you should never get to a point where you uh, take anything for granted. One of the funniest things that you're ever going to hear from runners is, I only ran three miles. Mm. Okay? I only ran five miles. You'll get to a point, I would say, you'll drop the only. And because running three miles, even if you've run five marathons like you have, is something you should never take for granted. It's an incredible accomplishment if you go out and take 30 minutes to run three miles. So there's a tremendous sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. uh, that uh, goes with running. And the third thing is, you know, you know, on comedy shows or whatever, they talk about women in shoes and women love shoes and mm -hmm. have dozens of shoes. I have dozens of pairs of warm-up suits. Oh. I love warm-up suits i may be one of the slowest runners that shows up at an event but i will wear color coordinated matching warm-up suits and the reason is when you put on a warm-up suit you just feel athletic you feel fit you know, it, it, to me warm-up suits are a sign of a healthy lifestyle you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not Tony Soprano showing up wearing a warm up suit. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just you know, you, 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 you go running, you hang out with your friends, you put on a warm up suit. I go to the mall or the grocery store, I put on a warm up suit. And because to me, it, it represents something. So I say that joking. I mean, it's true. I have. Over well, we're going to have to dig into that a little bit. I, like I have over 35. Your, OK, well, like what, what is your favorite warm up suit? OK, my favorite warm up suit. And I guess I'm wondering here, you're meaning like the bottoms and match the, top. the tops. OK, but they don't have to match, but they have to be <laughs> color coordinated. And I can tell you, for example, if you have black pants, solid black pants, any top will do any good. Any top will match black pants. OK, so. Um, but 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 anyway, thirty five warm up suits. So yes. you got to have a favorite. I have one. Some of them I've monogrammed with my my company is announcers on the run. So some of them I monogrammed. So I have one that's got a maroon says announcers on the run with black pants. My I don't use that to run. I use that usually to to show yeah. up the road race for running. I have a light blue New Balance shirt with solid black pants. That's my favorite one. So, <laughs> uh, but that's. The reason I say it tongue in cheek, but there's an element of truth is it's just, it's all part of a lifestyle mm -hmm. that running isn't just what we do. It's who we are. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that I've gotten much older, much slower, had some medical issues, the fact that I can still say I'm a runner means a lot to me. That That's great. Yeah. I think it's that idea of the mindset that those, right. the well, warm up soup gets you in the mindset. As I've Keeps always said, running is not about how fast or how far you run. It's what's in your mind, your heart, and your soul. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, again, calling these races all this time. So that's you as a runner. What have you seen in terms of the running community as you've stood at that finish line through the years? Well, I mentioned this earlier. In the early mid-90s when I was a serious runner, it was more about competition than participation, and that has shifted. As it has shifted, so have the demographics of gender. 
When I was running seriously in the early mid nineties, the sport was, you know, you show up at a road mm -hmm. race, predominantly men mm -hmm. uh, over women. Now it's 60, some, a lot of the races around here, 60, 65% mm -hmm. of the finishers are women. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great because they have found a way to support each other. They have found uh, a community with each other. So there's definitely a shift mm -hmm. in, in, in that particular demographic. Yeah, yeah. You know, but obviously it continues to be a hugely popular sport in, in, and individuals are taking it up. And again, as you started uh, saying before, there's runners well into their 90s and probably even older than that. And even some young runners. I don't know if you've ever call the races where back in the day when the St. Charles children were running. Oh my gosh, that, those were memorable races. You want me to tell you about the St. Charles children's home? I would love children's, to. So, so for those who don't know, the in, in Rochester, it was a group home uh, run by the nuns of St. Charles. And these were seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kids. And this was 96, 97. I show up at a road race. At that time, I'm working for the timing company and they show up. The next week they show up again. So I stopped, talked to one of the nuns. And what she told me was these were children from abused and ne neglected mm -hmm. homes. And they found these are kids, you know, with pent up stress. And they said, let's take them running to release the stress. They had no idea what they unleashed because mm -hmm. those kids took to the sport. And I'm going to brag about something. I was one of the first ones to discover them and to write about them mm -hmm. in, in local newspapers. And one of the telltale stories the nuns told me, this is how much the sport became mm -hmm. for them. One of the early road races, I was, at the I was a timer and they had a team competition. I said, well, we only have one team. It's the St. Charles Patrol. I said, let's give the kids medals. Let's give the kids. They're the winning team. So this was in Manchester. They're driving back towards Rochester. The van that they're driving breaks down on Route 101. Mm. Now, when you're eight, nine, 10 years old and your vehicle breaks down the side of the road, that could be pretty scary, right? Yeah. The nun says, when the guy came to tow the, tow the car, all they want to do is show, the, show them the medals. Aww. That's all. So I got to know them. I got to run with them. And, and the nun said some of, these, some of these kids became incredible runners. Oh, that's great to hear. At the hear. age of 8, 9, 10. She said what it did for their self-esteem mm -hmm. was remarkable. Now, you think about it. You and I as adults have had our self-esteem lifted through the sport of running. Right. Now imagine you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and you're from a, an abused and neglected home. Where's your self-esteem and how that got list, lifted by running? It, it, it was it's truly one of the rem most remarkable stories I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. Well, they definitely impacted so many runners around the seacoast. Um, personally, I remember running with them when there was like an arthritis 5K around Christmas time, and they would put little bells on your shoes and have those kids run. And they were terrific, terrific runners for sure. The best part about that is the nuns who went running with them, I always said if one of them ever just showed up at a road race, not to run with the kids, just mm -hmm. to run for her by herself. She'd probably be one of the fastest females right. out there. And I think one of them did and ran like 21 minutes yes. for 5K without, without any effort, still dressed in full habit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a remarkable uh, local story, I think. And uh, so fortunate to have all been a, been a part of that. And certainly hope those children are still running out there because we think of them often.
You know, one thing I think that's changed in the running world is the idea of technology. I've had some guests on, they've all talked about their Garmin watch. They've all talked about tracking themselves on Strava. As an announcer, is that a compliment to the race experience? All these kind of people with their watches beeping as the timing service provider, is that a challenge in any way? The one challenge that has been actually kind of funny it was really at its peak when the technology first was introduced. People would run a road race and it's a 5K, so it's like 3.11 miles. They would run, they'd look at their Garmin watch or mm -hmm. whatever, they say, it says I ran 3.15 miles. You have to adjust my time. This course was not accurate. Where that really became an issue mm -hmm. were people who ran marathons trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Okay. And there are specific guidelines. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you have to hit this time, you have to hit this time. They'd say, this says I ran 26.5 miles and I didn't qualify by two minutes. You have to adjust my time, whatever. And what we would have to explain is two things. First of all, the measuring of a, of a, of a course per USA track and field certification is very p precise. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're comparing that to some satellite that's circling the universe oh, miles that's a good ahead. Point. You really think that that's more accurate than the guy who drove his bike around the course twice and took out his measuring stick and whatever. That's the first thing. But the other thing that it taught us, how efficient a runner are you? If you when they measure the course, they measure the shortest distance. Oh, the you stride. run down the road, you come to a water stop, you veer to the right. Then you veer back to the left to get back on course. Then two miles later, you veer to the left, you go back on course. So your Garmin watch might have said you ran 26.7 miles and the marathon is 26.2 miles. Well, guess what? You may have actually run 26.7 <laughs> miles because you did not run efficiently because you kept veering from side to side to get water or you took the long way around on the turns mm. etc so there was a you know a lot of runners were really angry about that at the at the time mm -hmm. now it's great i mean we now people have learned how to use it as a motivating tool i bought a garment i didn't buy a garment watch till about three years ago incredibly did an mm. incredible job of increasing my motivation because it was telling me you know i used to run a certain di time regardless right. of distance now i can push myself i gotta i gotta go push myself to hit a distance so if i wind up running longer so much the better Nice. Nice. You know, that's an interesting point you're making though, about the distance and efficiency that certainly you can see that in the very elite runners, how they are right out of the gate. Don't even stop for water, right? Someone hands them yeah. their bottle. So that's, that's, that's very interesting. So you are a Garmin wearer. Um, are there any other tech items that you like? I mean, we live here in the four seasons. Are there, uh, any other equipment that you use when you're running in the winter or other times of the I year? just, when I, you know, I just dress according to the weather. I don't, I don't buy clothing mm -hmm. specifically. Oh, this is going to deal with the heat better or the cold weather. If it's cold, I just, I'll put on as many layers as I need. To, <laughs> if it's 10 degrees out and I'm going out for 30 minutes, I'll put on whatever I need to stay warm. The one thing is I, I, when I discovered a particular brand of running shoe, it had a huge impact on me and that was Hoka's Okay, because of the padding. Uh, I'm a bigger than average runner. Uh, I needed the extra padding and I, and I swear by my hocus. So interesting. I would say out of all of our guests, um, 
Nine out of 10 love their hokas. So that shoe has come on the market and has really taken out, taken it over. So that's great to hear. Do you have a, a race that you would love to run? Or is there an announcer somewhere that you love to would would love to hear call your name? No, I, and I, and in fact, I'd rather not. I just, <laughs> uh, for some reason, I'd rather not hear my name. I don't have a race, but I have a unique location okay. that I would like to run. I'm not a big fan of auto racing, but I'm somewhat of a fan. And a number of years ago, I got permission to go up to New Hampshire Motor Speedway in Loudoun when the track was empty. And they let me run around twice just to enjoy how big it is. Mm. It's a mile around what the cur- turns are and the curve. And just enjoy the, the quiet solitude of doing two laps around a mile. And so, and, and I was able to do that because Loudon's an hour away. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway okay. is two and a half miles around. And I, the reason I want to, I would love to go there and run. That to me would be the best way to understand just how massive a two and a half mile automobile track would Mm. be. You can't really tell on TV. I mean, you know it's big and they'll have diagrams you could fit Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park and Gillette Stadium. Mm -hmm. But I want to actually, I would actually see it for myself. So if there's one wish I have, and I don't want to go to a race with thousands of others, is with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, let me run one lap by myself two and a half miles just so I can get a sense of how big it is. All right. Well, we'll see if we'll see if someone's listening that can can make that happen. Um, but it would be cool, actually, in the, in the local scene, if the Loudon racetrack opened up for for a race, because I'm sure others would. Enjoy well, they've it. Had, they have actually had one. Oh, nice. They've actually had one. But what I want to do as a as kind of a, a parody of NASCAR racing, if you know right. anything about automobile racing, you got to come down and change your tires. You know, the, the tires. Right. Were, so I said we should have a three lap race. Loudon's one mile around. You have a three-lap race. You have to bring two pairs of running shoes. And at one time during the race, you have to come down pit road, change your running shoes, and go back out. That, that Do you was, have a crew? Can you have a crew? You, that- whatever, whatever it takes. But just one time. It's three laps around. You can do it the first lap. You can do it the second lap. But before you cross that finish line, you have to change your running shoes and, and, and get back out onto the course. That would be my, that would be my fun event. And let's call it the Andy Shackett. Let's call it the Andy Shackett race. That would be, that would be terrific. Is there anything you say to yourself uh, when the going gets tough? At this point, when I'm running. Yeah, running or calling. Is there uh, any, what, what motivates you? What, what motivates me, again, is the sense of accomplishment. Because when I was running seriously, I was a seven-minute miler. And there's no shame That's in great. that. That's great. There's no shame in that. Um, to be able to run you know, 3.1 miles in faster than seven minutes per mile. I'm much slower than that. So when I'm having a particular bad day just on a training run, I say to myself, first of all, I'm not running this slow because I want to. This is where I'm at at, at this point in my life. How many other 67-year-old men, not runners, how many other 67-year-old men in America could be doing what I'm doing right now? So as I like to say, I'm not one of the fastest 67-year-old runners in the country, but I'm one of the fastest 67-year-old men in the country because if you lined up all the 67-year-old men in this country, most of them couldn't do what I do. So I allow myself, that again, that sense of accomplishment, given my age and anything else that's happened over the years, at least I'm still out there.
Yeah, yeah. Well, you're out there doing really valuable work. And I know the New England community really loves hearing your voice at the finish line. A, you're there at the finish line and A, it's someone familiar cheering them on. Is in final, is there any kind of final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Just, just uh, I, one of the things that I, I, and not just with running, but just in life, we have a right, we have a right to be proud of the things that we've accomplished. Doesn't mean you have to stand up and thump your chest and say, look at me, but you have a right. You know, if you run a, a, a road race and it was a good run, you don't have to stand up at the finish line and say, look at me. But when you get in the car and there's nobody else around, you're allowed to pound the, the steering wheel and say, I did it, I did it, I did it. Just, just the fact that it is hard. As I say, if you think running is running three miles is easy, Trust me, there'll come a time when you won't say that because mm -hmm. that's where I'm at right now. And so as long as you're out there, just 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 be proud of what you're accomplishing because you have a right to be. That's that's great to hear. Well, thank you, Andy, so much for joining us on the 50 States Finish Line podcast. You can find the podcast on all podcast platforms. Until next time, happy running. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure.